and welcome back to another episode of Watch Once, Never Again, the podcast where we watch disturbing movies so you don't have to. I'm Mary Beth. And I'm Dax. And this week, we are talking about Nicholas Pesci's 2016 film, The Eyes of My Mother, Yay. which I legitimately watched once and thought never again, and yet I watched it today. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks. Um, yeah. So also, guys, we are weekly now. You know, we kind of threw that on Twitter, but hey, we are posting episodes once a week now. So get excited for us in your feed all the time. Or get disappointed if you don't like us. Dax. Sorry. Dax. <laughs> Shh. Everyone loves us. <laughs> You're right. Okay. <laughs> all right. So before we start digging in, ew, to the eyes of my mother, let let us read you a, a, a synopsis, an in-depth synopsis of the film so you can kind of see what we're working with. All right. So the film is split into three parts. So it's the first part is mother, then there's father, and then there's family. So Francesca, Francesca, ch- ch- really, the first Francisca. word. <laughs> Wasn't he? All right. France. Fran Drescher. <laughs> movie would be okay anyway francisca and her parents they live on a live on a a farm where they raise animals a trained surgeon francisca's mother teaches her how to remove eyeballs from farm animals as well as the legend of saint francis of assisi you know normal childhood things one day charlie a creepy door-to-door salesman asks to use the bathroom against her better judgment francisca's mother lets him into the house Charlie draws a gun and takes Francisca's mother into the bathroom. When her father comes home, he finds Charlie bludgeoning the wife's body in the bathtub while giggling, which is awful. He knocks Charlie out and chains him up in the barn. Francisca and her father bury her mother in the backyard. Francisca visits Charlie and explains he explains the thrill of killing others. Francisca removes Charlie's eyes and vocal cords, then bags them, puts them in the refrigerator. She explains to Charlie that he was not killed because he is her only friend and she will look after him. That is only part one, ladies and gentlemen. That is only part one. (laughs) Part two. Years later, adult Francisca's father dies and she preserves the body and she sleeps next to it and gives it baths. She then goes out to a bar and meets a young woman named Kimiko. Kimiko and Francisca return to Francisca's house, but after learning that Francisca's mother was killed, Kimiko is frightened when Francisca jokes oddly that she murdered her father. You know, first date impressions. Uh, Kimiko tries to leave, but Francesca murders Francisca murders her, chops her up, bags her organs, puts it in the fridge. And then we see her take out the serial killer Charlie from the barn, brings him inside, uh, sleeps next to him. He attempts to escape but then she catches him and then she murders him on to part three. <laughs> so now Francisca is completely alone. She's never been alone before. She's really upset. So she runs, she wanders through the woods and reaches the highway where she catches a ride with a woman named Lucy and has Lucy bring her back to her house. Lucy has a baby son named Antonio who Francisca kidnaps upon reaching the house. She then stabs Lucy praises her dead mother for bringing the pair to her, keeps Lucy's son as her own child. Then she takes out Lucy's eyes and vocal cords and chains her into the barn. So when Antonio grows to about eight or nine years old, he becomes curious about the barn and he discovers that 
there is a woman being kept in the barn and does not seem to realize it is his mother. So then Lucy actually escapes the barn, is found on the road by a trucker, and the police arrive at Francisca's house uh, holding her son with a knife saying they'll never take the baby. The camera zooms out and a gunshot is heard and the film ends. So this is what we're working with. That's all. Yeah, okay, so... So this movie is filmed in black and white, and this is also Nicholas Pesci's first movie, which this is a hell of a directorial debut. Like this is, the film is gorgeous to look at. It's it's black and white, makes everything seem so much more stark. And there are a lot of amazing scenes at night that the black and white really make even more gorgeous. And I still can't believe that this is a first feature. Like this isn't, it's wild. Yeah, it actually upsets me. It makes me feel bad about myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Pesci, for those who don't know, he also has done Piercing and the newest uh, iteration of The Grudge. Which? I have not seen that. I, I know that it's divisive. Listen, I'm not trying to shade it. Um, but I will because by in, so I have like a movie club um, and we it's like we go see a movie and then like get brunch like well before mm-hmm. COVID that's what we would do like on you know like a Sunday morning mm-hmm. and Perfect. we all went to see The Grudge together I think mm-hmm. it was there can be like up to like 10 or 11 of us and I think maybe 8 or 9 of us were there and we all fell asleep except one. Oh. Yeah. So there's that. But then there are people who love it. Um, there are some people who love it more than the original or or um, the original remake also. So I don't know. It just interests me that, like, um, his debut is so amazing. Like, and I think, I feel like it's pretty universal that people think it's amazing and then he, he came out with the grudge i think second right piercing was oh, the grudge more recent. second Pier- no piercing was 2018 and then the grudge was 2020 yeah the grudge was like right before the pandemic right 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 yeah so yeah so piercing came out in 20 20- yeah so it was eyes and mother piercing and then the grudge honestly that proves my point even more it's so weird <laughs> but whatever I, I love this movie. That's all that matters. It's it is so it's it's beautifully done and I think it is a really it's a really fascinating film that looks at trauma in a very different way. And I guess my biggest thing with this is at the beginning you see a young friend Francisca, Jesus Christ, and her mother, and her mother is very obviously a talented surgeon from Portugal, and she has taught Francisca the ways of surgery and like the ways the like the way the body looks on the inside presumably only with animals but who the fuck knows at this point because it's like this isn't like at least when i was watching it this doesn't feel like a movie where francisca is like is awakened by something and she realizes that like she wants to be like a weirdo and like play with bodies and surgery like it seems like she's always had this kind of predilection for science and medicine and examining the body as something that's not a human but as like a toy yeah well that's actually um what i was just thinking is like it's it's like their entertainment value because yeah they're 
house and like the way they dress and everything, their cars look, they all look really old. And up until yeah. a point, you would think that this movie took place in like maybe the 60s. Yeah. Uh, like the like 50s or 60s, like countryside. Yes. But it does not. They pull like uh like M Night Shyamalan's The Village on you, and it turns out it's like now, <laughs> um, but you don't see that until really far into the movie. I I think when she goes to meet um, Ki- was it Kimiko? Yeah, Kimiko. Yeah. Yeah, at the bar. Yeah, it does feel very out of time and place, especially with the black and white aesthetic. It feels very like, oh, yeah, this is like a different time. This is like a f- an old farmy family, like you said, in like the six in like the 60s, 50s, 40s. And the way they act is very similar to that as well. So it's very it's mm-hmm. jarring. This is a, I think the best way to describe this movie for me is jarring. Like everything about it is yeah. unsettling and you never really feel settled in what's happening or what's going to happen next. No. He won't let you. No, exactly. It's like, okay, so this creepy guy. So the, the, the action starts immediately. Like the creepy guy, that door-to-door salesman, who is definitely a serial killer, immediately shows up. And he's like giggling and says to the mom, don't make this harder on yourself. Just take me to the bathroom. And it is very much, okay, this is going to be like a trauma origin story where you you know this little girl sees her mom get murdered blah 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 but the thing about this movie that i didn't really think about until this time is how you never see the violence almost never it's always alluded to so like when he's bludgeoning her mom you see him for a split second in the bathroom with blood on the walls we don't see her mom's body so you only see like you, you and you don't really see her cut out his eyes or his vocal cords you just see her with the organs in a bag when she kills Kimiko, you just see her cleaning up the blood. So it's so much allusion to violence, but it's never, it's not necessarily shown, which is always creepier to me and grosser because you kind of fill in the blanks. And there's something, again, really unsettling about, you know, you're watching, you're watching this little girl talk to this guy and then it, and then it cuts to her saying, you won't, like, we don't have to worry about him yelling anymore. And she's got his eyeballs and vocal cords in a plastic bag. Like, it's very quick to go from, a conversation to violence, I guess. You touched on a couple things that I was thinking about during this movie. So I, I also noticed that you really don't see very much of the violence. You always see like the aftermath. And it kind of reminded me of like, when, like when you remember, this was your second time seeing it, right? Yes. So when you thought about this movie, when I was like, hey, let's watch The Eyes of My Mother, you remembered it being fucked up and like gory and stuff right yes Probably. i totally did i totally yeah. thought about it, it as pulls... a gory yes yeah it, it like pulls like a texas chainsaw massacre really because yeah. the same way how people if you ask like my mom she's 67 if you ask my mom oh like you know remember texas chainsaw massacre she'd be like oh my god that's like the goriest bloodiest movie i've ever seen no it isn't <laughs> Did you go back and watch it? Right? No, it isn't. But like, I always, I still think that about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, even though I've seen it multiple times and I know it. It's like, it's, yeah. innate, it's the goddamn, it's just, it's so fascinating now that you're saying this about the way that like those movies conjure up a very certain expectation, even after you've seen them. 
you're like, yeah. oh yeah, no, this is going to be full of fucked up imagery. And it's like, mm, more just actually fucked up ideas, which are. Yeah. It, it like both movies um, focus so much on the buildup and then it skips the violence, but um, shows you like, like hard cuts to like the aftermath. And it's so jarring that you think you saw more than you saw. Yeah. And that happens so yeah. much in this movie. Like, especially, you know, the bathtub scene, like you were just saying. But then all of the torture scenes, you, there really is no torture in this movie. Exactly. But you swear there is. You, you like, when you think of this movie, uh, you almost think of, like, a martyrs type situation. Yes. Yes. And it even kind of looks similar in the barn. But it's not anything like that. She, if anything, she's really kind of nurturing and kind to her like uh she she really thinks she's being prisoners. nurturing and kind and i will say also it like get an artsy and a little bit fartsy here with the black and white you don't see the red of blood so there isn't like this like you obviously can tell when something is a pool of blood or blood splatters mm -hmm. but there isn't like this stark contrast of like bruised and bloodied skin it's all one color palette really so there isn't that mm. kind of visual shock so even when you see like the aftermath of violence like the puddles of blood that she leaves up off the floor the body without the eyes it's not as jarring i guess because there isn't these visual like color contrasts so that kind of furthers that point even more damn you know i think Whoa. part of it is that this movie so visceral and it's not even just yeah like, that you can imagine how it feels to be, like, chained up and, like, you know, someone's operating on you. And sometimes even, like, helping you and, like, stitching you up. You, like, some... Like cuddling you? <laughs> yeah. Like, for me, one, one of the most visceral, like, parts of this movie is th the blood. Even though it's not red, it looks so, like, oily. And, like, yeah. slick. And, like, she gets it all on her hands. And you can just imagine, like, how slippery it is. It, yeah. Because, like, no, you don't see the shock of the red. But you can... She holds up her hands and stuff when she's done doing whatever she's doing. And you can just... It, it makes me, like, recoil a little bit. Like, you well, know? Yeah. And then, like, the sound and the... I guess it's also, like, when yeah. she takes the meat packages out of... Yes. the fridge like it doesn't you know it if you don't know what it is you're just like oh it's like some weird what is that even meat but you as she meticulously takes up the packages that are obviously stained with some with, with blood but then they crinkle as she puts them down and like the sound of the weight of them hitting the table plus the sound of the plastic it's just something grating about that sound because it's so it's a yeah. it's got a score but it's a pretty quiet film so every piece of sound design works to put you on edge and kind of make you mm. cringe yeah yeah the sound design of that bathtub scene where you don't the see anything was... but you can hear <sighs> that pounding well and this is terrible i couldn't her. i couldn't remember if he was raping her if he was killing her because you know like horrific like yeah. rhythmic sound like uh, kind of you expect the worst in either direction. And when and you then, first see it, you kind of think that's where it's going to go. You do. Exactly. And like, I think, and this kind of leads to what I was, I'm thinking about how this, I talked about this with Golden Glove and how that kind of works against the idea of like true crime having a point and how the Golden Glove mm -hmm. is like, there's no point to this shit. And this one, 
it's such a subversion of the serial killer movie trope where you see like these a mom and her young daughter outside and like having a moment and this creepy dude comes up and wants to come you know inflict torture upon the family but we're not shown that torture but then he in turn is tortured and then it becomes about a woman who is learning about pain and is like relishing in the in the idea of pain but in a much more like nurturing way and so i also see this as an interesting subversion to the idea of the serial killer movie of the exploitation of the female body specifically in those yeah. movies because pesci doesn't want us to always see the tortured female body and it you know violence in this one isn't gendered really and i was, i thought about that a lot more that this time watching it yeah I totally see what you mean. It's almost um, also a subversion because he's saying that there is a point. Like, the point is that it just feels good. Like, they just like it. And, like, Francisca doesn't even realize that it's weird. I think because she is so sheltered. So her family had... Did they have a person in the barn before that I See, I was thinking about that. I don't... Because they seem too like, I, I was ready about to, to have an that. answer, and then I didn't have one because the more I thought about it, the more it's like, how do you just have those chains? And like, how are you so quick to be like, all right, we're going to chain this motherfucker up in the barn? Like, yeah, because it's not like they like had like uh, CSI or anything. It felt methodical. Yes. And maybe that's just the way the family is in general, but it felt too methodical for it to have been like a first time occurrence. Like, who has those chains just chilling in the barn? Yeah. But now that you say that, maybe that's how the family is. That clearly is how they just are. Like, the mother is very matter-of-fact. Like, okay, here's how you, like, cut into this cow head, and here's why we're using a cow head. And she obviously has shown her, shown her daughter how to operate on a person, or at least stitch them up and stuff, because, like, baby Francisca knows how to do that. You know, and that's her only real entertainment. I mean, they have a TV that they watch and like she watches uh, TV with her father at some points. But like, it seems like she's way more interested in the like learning surgery with her mother. That And that actually is okay. But the wheels are turning as we talk about this, which is why I love this podcast, because I've never been able to actually talk out loud about this movie. So it's like I have thoughts, but maybe... It's like she she was always like Francisco was probably always kind of a weird kid. She sheltered. She obviously doesn't mm-hmm. have friends. But then in seeing her mother, who is a surgeon, who is linked to kind of this like medical inside of the body and seeing her get murdered, maybe somehow in the murder, she conflated her mother's work with violence and somehow like become intertwined through that trauma. And that trauma kind of like solidified what she thinks of when she thinks of her mother, which is death. And medical dissection and meticulous slicing. Maybe. But to me, it just seems like she doesn't even realize it's at all violent. Like, she just thinks, oh, yeah. this is what you do with people. Well, exactly. Like, she's so... she like So, they have the guy on, in chains in the barn at the beginning. And young Francisca walks up and stitches him up where he has a gash in his side and he's like what are you doing and they kind of chat and he has a big stranger's vibe when he says like, she's like why did you do it to us and he said because you let me in so uh, like that I sweet that sweet too. big nihilism vibes but she's like she says to him like in the synopsis like you're my only friend so i'm gonna keep you around 
And then at night, they hear him yelling her name, which is fucking creepy, like from the it's barn. So this creepy scary. ass dude is yelling Francisca from the barn. And she then cuts out his eyes and his vocal cords. And it wasn't even like to be mean. It was more like practical. It was like, okay, he won't be yelling anymore. Like, so matter of fact. Mm. And then her dad realizes, oh, no. <laughs> like, which is so funny to me. Because, like, they show him in the bath, sitting in the bathtub and, like, getting upset and kind of reflecting on probably the whole fucking situation between them having to bury his wife and then chain a dude up in the barn but it seems because they only showed at this point but like francisca cutting out this guy's body parts was probably like it seemed like a final straw for him just like what what (laughs) have we done and it's like i don't know dude but your daughter's kind of (laughs) weird see i totally read that differently really yeah like i thought that he just like, I didn't think he reacted at all to Francisca doing that. And I thought maybe oh. he was just crying about his wife. But I don't, uh, I don't know that either one, like, we, we can't know for sure. Exactly. Um, but to me, he just also seemed like, okay, well, you know, here's what we do with the dead body and like, you know, stuff like that. Like, it's where he doesn't think it's weird or out of the ordinary you know um he yeah. just like instinctually knew what to do it seems like he and his wife were very logical and methodical like you said in that way um so to me and and you know what he's the only one who really has like emotions um until he dies and then francisca's alone and she realizes she's alone and that's when she like finally emotes a little bit yeah so i just thought he was reacting to his wife being gone or maybe being overwhelmed Mm. like he's the only parent there or something because it seems like he you know is kind of a detached father even when his wife is is gone but i imagine probably more so before that yeah she is very he is very much like detached stereotypical like Mom and mom and daughter are close. The dad just kind of like does his thing and goes to work and that's it. And again, that doesn't change throughout. Even though they, so they share a bed. It seems like the I read this as actually now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know because there's there's a point where they where it shows an older Francisca and her dad sharing the bed, but that's not shown throughout. So I'm not actually sure if they all live in the, like they sleep in the same bed together. Or if that was just some weird thing that older Francisca did. Because I was getting, like, deep into, like, the weird, like, family Freudian dynamics that could be, like, going on in here. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think it was, though. I don't get that vibe. That's fair. Okay. No, that's fair. Because I guess when everyone's dead, she's like, all right, cool, I can't be alone now. Yeah, and it seems like she could be gay. But then she, she, like, has sex with the prisoner guy. But we don't see it. Yeah. We don't see it. See, again, this movie is amazing at setting up these like super kind of harrowing shots of when, so for, so it goes from mother is when her mother dies and then there's to Francisca, to Francisca when she's older for the last two parts. And Francisca is played by an amazing actress. Her name is Kika Magalhaes. Magalhaes? And I've never seen her in anything else before. And 
the way that she plays Francisca as an adult is uh, terrifying and freaky and really sells the idea of this character being just kind of like really unaware of how she's going through the world and has this really terrifying innocence around her because it feels like Francisca doesn't know that any of this is bad really until she starts to kill. I think she kind of gets that, but she doesn't, she just seems very naive. Yes. She was so good in this role that I actually was a little bit concerned for her because I was like, (laughs) how can she ever play something else? Like she's going to only play this because she's so good at it. I actually thought that, but apparently she was in the castle freak remake right and I, I didn't see oh really that. i did not see that she like there's so many moments where she's just silently sitting at a table eating by herself or is talking to herself and she has this really this facial like, this vacant facial expression that really does look like it's almost a smile yeah it's like happy brain empty is like kind of how like yes. a sinister happy brain empty kind of feeling where it's like she seems like she's blissfully unaware of what's going on but also potentially like but she has a a dark secret between like the guy that's in the the barn the woman that she kills like she's blissfully content with a dark secret but yeah so she so she's so we talked about this being like having a queer aspect so after she kind of is like buries her father and is like oh he is dead for real like i shouldn't be sleeping next to him or like trying to bathe him um she, How is she goes, carrying him everywhere. I I don't know. Farm girl she's strength. So strong. I don't. <laughs> CrossFit. She's probably been cart carting that. <laughs> oh my god! Horror CrossFit. Putting the dead in deadlift. <laughs> no. I'll see myself out. It's been real. <laughs> tire flip and the tires made of skulls. Um. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So she she goes to a bar, and picks up a woman brings her home Kimiko and we're like okay so there's these this you know obviously she took her home for sex maybe um and what's that boy oh boy oh uh I'll tell I'll tell you when we're done recording (laughs) thank you (laughs) she brings her home and watching her interact with another person is truly something it's like the it's like it's It's almost worse than all the other parts right like she's like i killed my dad (laughs) and it's like the it's like the way it's like thinking about how you can make a joke and have it go over the worst way possible and and multiply that by like a hundred and that's what happens in this scene where she's like trying to be funny which did she she did not kill her dad right we that's not confirmed again the way she says she's like i killed my dad or like whatever like she's like i killed him she's like and then she keeps saying it. And then she goes in the same tone. Oh, that wasn't very funny, was it? And like, I feel like she. Oh, um, my God. I feel like the only reason she said that was because she picked up that that was not the right thing to say. Mm-hmm. It's not like she instinctually was like, oh, that was not a funny joke. She was like, oh, you are not reacting how I thought you would react. It was no. not funny. Like a it was fucking like- robot. It was like watching an adult woman's first interaction with a human being. Pretty much. I was just going to say, the way that Francisca is dressed, it makes her look very innocent, too. She wears, like, modest mm-hmm. dresses that are, like, short sleeve dresses, like, down to her knees and these boots, and her hair is cut, like, on a little bob. And she just looks like a farm girl. Like, she looks like an innocent farm girl who doesn't really know what's going on. And she's From, like, cute the 50s, and so- though. 
Exactly. Like she gives off these vibes that she just is like very new to everything. She's like a newborn calf that can walk around, but its knees are knocking a little bit. Mm. But she just looks that way because then she murders. Anyway, what were you going to say? Yeah, I like that scene because that's when you realize like, oh, it's modern times because Kimiko looks like a modern person. She's wearing like a Uh cool denim jacket and has bangs and like, (laughs) you know. Yeah, she lo- I, it's like al- she feels alien in the house. Like she, yeah, she like feels weird. World. Who- yeah, exactly. To us, yeah, and she's like looking around, and that's when when she's looking around, then you start looking around. You're like, that is an old fridge. Like, yep. <laughs> like you know, it's so funny. Exactly. Like you don't think about it, and then you're like, wait, hold on, this house is kind of weird. Oh, the TV is really old. Oh yeah, like you yeah, had the fridge. Like that's a, that's actually a really good example because when. You know, Kimiko is trying to leave and Francisca's like, no, please, I'll take you home, blah, blah, blah. And then it cuts to it. It's just Francisca saying that. And then it cuts to her kneeling down on the floor, cleaning blood off of the tile. So we don't see Kimiko get murdered, but obviously we make that connection. And then when she shows when she's when she's seen opening and closing the fridge, it's gross looking like the fridge is old looking. It is very much that old school, like with the ha- the pulling handle, too. And mm. Yeah. I often get caught up in the logistics of things in movies and I don't, I try really hard not to let it like affect, you know, how I view the movie. I I'm pretty good at just like accepting like, okay, this happened, but like, how did this happen? I I don't include that. Like if I'm reviewing it, (laughs) you know? So like for me watching this movie, I'm like, okay, she knows where the bar is. So has she gone to the bar before? Has she had sex before? Has she been with a woman before? Did she Mm -hmm. just stop at the first place that she saw? But then it's like she kissed Kimiko. So it's like, okay, so was that a purposeful, like, person that you wanted to seek out? Like a a lesbian or a bisexual woman, you know? Yeah. I I kept thinking that because I'm like, okay, she knows how to drive. (laughs) Like, who taught her how to drive? Because you really don't see her life except for, like, you know, people dying around her, you know? I kept thinking, I'm like, how did she know where this bar was and how did she know, like, what to do? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I fuck. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. And, like, okay. So, for instance, you and I are not, like, sheltered people on a farm. And we would be awkward Uh, at a gay bar, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then you imagine, like, she can't even barely talk to Kimiko when when they're at her house. And part of that may be nerves. But another part of that is that she's known, like, four people in her whole life. And all of them have died. (laughs) I can't even think of the fourth person. (laughs) Like, you know? No, I think it is just, Yeah. So it's like, how did that happen? Like, if you're Kimiko at the bar and this, like, awkward <laughs> This person... just makes me want to, like, write a story about this girl's life and, like, what happened and, like, how she, like, discovered her sexuality in weird ways. I, oh, that's fascinating. That's why this movie is so fascinating because there's so many holes. Like, not plot holes, but just, like, Things questions to think about. that... Like, very purposeful questions that are asked. And, like, you don't get those answers. And so you're left just trying to understand, like, you're giving a very small snapshot of a woman who has obviously gone through a horrific trauma and is shaped by that trauma. And 
probably suffers from mental illness as well. But like you just get this very brief like hour and 15 minute snapshot of an entire life. And you a big part, I think, of enjoying this movie is filling in those blank spots and kind of giving yourself into this story and like who she is. And I think that's I really liked watching it the second time because it's like, oh, I can kind of project my own ideas into this and Mm -hmm. and still enjoy. I'm enjoying the movie. But like, how did this happen? How did this happen? Like, who is she? Why is she like this? And I think that's a really cool, engaging part of this film, despite it being so fucked up. It's almost like it gets even more fucked up the more you engage with it because you think like again with this podcast, like you're thinking so deeply about like, how did she realize that she is, is queer? Does she know how to pick up women? Has she had sex before? Did she kill her dad? Like all of these questions that are just like, what the fuck? Yeah. And you know what's funny about her killing is like, it seems like she only does it because the other person is like going to leave her. See, okay. I was going to bring that up because every, every, all of her motivation is about lone, is about preventing loneliness because she, you know, doesn't want to, she doesn't want to be alone. She cries multiple times about not wanting to be alone, about how could her father have left her. And so when her, both of her parents are gone, she turns to the the creepy dude in their, the barn for comfort. And he is, she proclaims him a friend. And so this, and again, this is what got me thinking about the subversion of serial killer movies, because in serial killer films, we always see serial killers, like these gross sexual motivations. And they're like dirty, gross men, golden glove looking at you. And like mm. these kind of nasty, perverse, sexually charged, violent motivations for these serial killers. And in this one, she is, I consider her a serial I'm gonna I'm gonna call her at least the budding serial killer. Um, <laughs> and but she's motivated by her own loneliness and by seeing people as objects that can provide her comfort. It's like she sees people as people, but she's pe- not people as people. She sees people as objects of comfort that validate her existence and so she needs to collect them to feel like she's real and she needs to feel needed specifically Mm. i just got very strong may vibes have you ever seen may i was okay i have the fuck dax one brain cell the two of us we just share one brain cell (laughs) i have never even seen may and i know about may and i was watching it i'm like i wonder if this is like may lucky mckee's movie may like i got that vibe without even having seen it Oh, I need to see that movie very badly. You, I think you would love it. It's so good. The thing is, I know I would love it. It's just one of those, again, one of those movies where like, I'm going to watch it. And then I just don't for no other reason other than what the fuck? I opened up May. I opened up Instagram on a whim and literally May popped up as the first thing. No. I swear to God. I swear to God. I rebuke it. Jamie Alvey posted something about May, a picture of May. That's so perturbing to me. All right. Well, so some weird shit is happening in the universe. So I guess I should probably watch May like ASAP. Um, it's so good. That was like one of the movies that I saw. Like, I feel like I told you this before, um, where my cousin used to like have us over for like sleepovers and we each got to pick out like a movie based on its cover and whoever like picked out the scariest mm-hmm. movie one. May was one of those. <laughs> Of but course I, it was. I, it wasn't scary, though. I just liked it. It's just fucked and up, And I was like right? 10. Yeah, it's uh, pretty fucked what? up. It's a little funny at times. Like, um, Anna Faris is in it, and she's so fucking funny. Oh, I know. Oh. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. you would love well, it. Anyway. You gotta see it. I know. Uh, and she's okay. queer. Uh, love it. Right? Oh, it's just big gay. Anyway. Yes, I got May. I got May vibes from this movie, and I have not even seen May. So. Yeah, very strong May vibes because like it's not giving anything away. May just like really wants a friend. Yeah. And her means of getting a friend is extremely fucked up, but her whole motivation for everything she does is, you know, she doesn't she wants someone who won't leave her because everyone else always leaves her. Which you know what you know what's really interesting? I feel like that's so this is a very like off the, like very off the dome thought. So please correct me if this is an incorrect assumption. It feels a lot like when there are movies about women being killers or violent, their motivations are almost always that they don't want to be alone. And then it's not the same for dudes. A lot of the times for dudes, it's like some weird sexual or like not weird, but like sexual frustration, toxic masculinity, that kind of thing. Is that does that track in your head? Or is that just me yeah. thinking of like three movies at once? I mean, I might be thinking of the same three movies. But yeah, <laughs> it seems pretty accurate. It kind of seems yeah. like that's how people think of men and women in real life too, really. Yeah, because I know I initially said that it was interesting to have the subversion of a serial killer in that way. But now that I'm thinking about it, it's like... But also, like, maybe women, I don't know, Eileen Warnos is a serial killer, and, like, yeah, that's all fucked up. But, like, I just think that it's weird that we generalize the concept of violence in such black and white thinking in terms of, like, gender as well. Ha ha, ha ha ha, the movies are black and white. (laughs) (laughs) It's embarrassing. Um, I was like, ha. Hey, hey, yeah. Well, you know what? It does still, like, subvert the idea of the serial killer, just not the idea of men and women generally. Yeah, exactly. No, for sure. And, like, I do want more women serial killer movies. I'm just saying. I want more of them. Thank you. Monique voice. I would like to see it. I I would like to see it. Exactly. Um, but so then we get to the final part of the film, which is family. And she just straight up steals a baby. Like. She does do that. So she, again, so she's, okay, mom is dead. Father is dead. The serial killer that she presumably had sex with, we just see her taking off her her clothing in front of him. She wakes up and is not in bed anymore. Sorry, I just want to add that it's after she kills the girl that she presumably wanted to have sex with, who was going to leave her. Yep. So then she tries to have, or she presumably has sex with the with her serial killer pet. He tries to escape. She catches him because he can't see anything and has no idea where he's going. She kills him and tells scene. him how the this shot of the camera in the bedroom window as she slowly mm-hmm. walks up to him with the knife is. I took a bunch of screen caps for Twitter so we can share this because Ugh. it's like so haunting and you so read creepy. My mind. Oh, Dax, one brain cell. Um, Cause he's like, but he can't see, of course. No, so he can't. he's just like, uh, almost like tiptoeing around, like he does. Like you know when you like try to find the wandering. light switch somewhere, when like you hear like <laughs> slamming your hand on the wall trying to find the light switch and like shuffling your feet so you don't kick anything. That's what he's doing, but like in an open field, which is terrifying. Like you have no fucking yeah. concept of where you are. In the um, night, in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. And the way she walks up is like she's messing with him. 
Yes. Like she oh thinks my God. it's a it's game. Like, yes. Oh. Like, oh, you can hear me. So she like walks around and closer and like to- it, she's not walking quickly. Like she's walking pretty yeah. like calmly. She's like, like zigzagging. No because yeah, he, no... he can hear her. So he like looks around. Yeah. And she's like, Ooh, where am I? And then when she gets up to him, she doesn't even stab him right away. She just like kind of stands near him and like lets him panic. And so when chilling. she stabs him, the camera cuts to her face and she's saying how he was right that it feels really good to kill um and then she's like loving it if you know what i mean she's loving well okay and then because i i don't even know because of what but she is stabbing him and she is going it sounds like she is it's pleasure it sounds of pleasure and we always talk about like the knife as phallus and like knife wounds as vaginal and you know that's like psychosexual weirdness but in this we don't see her have penetrative sex or any kind of sex in this film but then when she is stabbing him she is almost moaning in pleasure and doesn't really seem that distraught by what she's doing and it's like it goes on for quite a for a long time it's not just one stab it's a couple and she's like kind of tenderly doing it so there's something like weirdly erotic about it in a really gross way Mm -hmm. so yeah but then we have part three, where she finds the baby <laughs> and the, the mom. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. And so family is obviously the title of this third scene. And she hitchhikes the baby and this woman. And the woman drops her off. And she's like, oh, can I hold your baby? And the woman goes, okay, yeah, you can hold the baby. And then she just walks out of the car holding the baby. Well, first she starts like praying to her mom in Spanish, and the lady's like, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" She like knows in, Port- in, Port- in Portuguese. She's like, "Thank you so oh, much, yeah, mom, sorry. for bringing. Thank you so much, mom, for bringing these people to me. This is a gift you've brought upon me. Wow, thank you so much." And then she just walks out of the car with the baby, and the woman's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 what?" So Francisco runs inside with the baby and then stabs the mom. It's such a but scary doesn't scene. kill the mom. It's terrifying. It's scary she even when she just <sighs> runs out of the car and the mom can't, like, she's trying to reach over because she's just panicking, but she has her seatbelt on and she's like, like, you know, she's like yes. a little too far behind her. And then she runs into the house, a house she doesn't know. She can't find the stairs because they have those weird, like, closet stairs, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, then she finds the stairs, runs up, and then you know... You know when she opens the bedroom door that Francisca's going to be there. And yet, <laughs> uh, it still gets you. Like, it's not a jump scare or anything. It's just like you know she's going to appear. But I guess she's not exactly. behind the door. You know, she comes up behind her. But anyway, sorry to hijack that. But it's just so, no, not it's at such all. a scary it's, sequence. It is. And, you know, then you, then you just, the camera pulls out behind the door. And then you just see the mom crawling on the floor with the knife in her back trying to save her screaming baby while Francisco just sits on the bed holding the baby and so again this film does a lot of like these like, very quick intense violent moments and then these like long kind of static shots that just kind of let you sit in what's happening and it sinks in so it's not just like you know kill kill violence violence it's like kill kill or and it was like f- quick act of violence and then you just kind of sit there and contemplate it it's it's really bizarre and really it's really affecting right oh it's so good it just gets under your skin and then she has so she has the baby for raises the baby as her own antonio 
And every day he watches her bring food and water out to the barn. And that is where she has put his mother. She's chained up. She does not have eyes. She does not have vocal cords. There is a horrific scene right after her vocal cords have been removed where she tries to scream and just like a comes out. Um, her, I, like she, it's just, it's a, it's a focusing on the victim of this violence that we didn't necessarily see with the serial killer guy that there's a little bit more emphasis on the fact that like this was an innocent woman who was hurt by another woman for her selfish reasons but she doesn't and again doesn't kill the mom she keeps her as a pet and takes care of her Mm -hmm. like no other reason really like there's no enjoyment taken out of it she just well i guess there is probably enjoyment in taking care of something but it's like she just gets fed food and water once a day and the kid realizes that the mom is doing something in there and finds the woman chained up. Ah, like what? And he's like, it's just a dream. It's just a dream when he sees her. Because it looks like something yeah. out of Martyrs. Like a woman it chained up. It does look exactly it looks like Martyrs. Exactly like Martyrs. Even when the she's woman like in the crawling basement from Martyrs. Towards, towards yes. With the, oh my God. Yes. Yeah. It, it's it just like Martyrs. Follow like, your rules. Like don't go in the barn. Why did you do that? Like, I know that's he had to because it's a movie, but yeah, but yeah, it's so. And then he helps her. I kind of helps her escape. And then everything falls apart from there when the police are finally Mm. called on this psychotic lady who has like, but oh, before the cops come, though, she is shown Francesca shown digging up her mother's skeleton a la Norman Bates bullshit and sitting in her mother's grave, cradling the skeleton, asking for help and advice. I wanted to talk about uh, Norman Bates, actually. OK, because this movie gives me major psycho vibes. One hundred thousand percent. Yes. Yeah. Like Norman Bates also lives like kind of in a remote location um in this big giant house by himself he would say with his mother we all say different yeah (laughs) um you know and he also obviously the same aesthetic it's black and white 60s and he also stabs marion crane because he's like attracted to her that's kind of what we all kind of agree right yeah um, which is, I guess, a little bit different. Like, Francisca um, murders people because they're going to leave her. But mm-hmm. there is something there, right? Yes. 1,000%. This is like... It's kind of the other side of Psycho. I was going to say, it's like a response to Psycho. It's like the the female like <laughs> yes. response to Psycho. And like, yeah, exactly. That's how I feel. And especially watching it a second time, I definitely saw this as like the female version of Psycho, but with a little bit more like digging into the killer herself rather than just like viewing her as a monster that need and the mystery that needs to be solved. So yeah, I definitely, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I guess his crimes are like his reason for impersonating his mom is because like he's lonely, you know? And he was traumatized by his mom, too. Like, she yeah, abused traumatized. him. So, huh. Yeah. Major psycho vibes. Major psycho vibes. Is there anything else that you would like to talk Distress. Just distress, Jesus. Address about the eyes of my mother. Yes. I just wanted to touch on this really disturbing dude who shows up. The guy with the, with the creepy smile. He 
shows up and I feel like he preys on the fact that they are both, you know, a, a girl and a woman. I feel like it's really important that he asks, like, is your husband home or is he coming home soon? Uh, something along those lines. I feel like it's really pointed. I mean, obviously he's asking because traditionally the man would be the protector, but I feel like he, his whole period of being there, he really preys on how women are socialized to be polite. And he uses that against the, uh, the mother. He like weaponizes her politeness against her because he knows that she feels uncomfortable and it's very visibly obvious that she does. Uh, and a normal person hopefully would be like, Oh, I'm making this person uncomfortable. I will just simply leave. But he gets off on it and, um, against her better judgment, you know, she lets him inside to use the bathroom and then it isn't enough that she directs him to where the bathroom is. He wants her to show him. And even though she's like all but cowering, um, she still, you know, again, directs him to where the bathroom is. And that's when he comes and it like comes up in that close shot laughing his disturbing little laugh smiling this like maniacal smile and he's like you know basically I I was being nice before but now if you don't listen I'm going to become unreasonable and it's even more disturbing because he's he's still being polite too yeah um and it's like, you know something bad is going to happen, but you just don't know how bad it's going to be. So, of course, you know, he, he pulls out a gun and forces her to go back into that bathroom where, you know, he beats her to death. It's really scary to think about and... It's even scarier because he has that line later on where he says, well, Franny asks him, like, why, why us? And he says, because you let me in. Um, that begs the question, maybe if she had said, if she had not been polite, would he have still gone after them? Seems like probably not, which means this was avoidable. Mm -hmm. It's really tragic in a way well exactly well, that's the thing it's like her being polite but also like does she somehow think that this will protect her like I, it's one of those things the situations where it's like the violence seems to be imminent regardless right. of what she does so maybe this is her attempt to like avoid violence and maybe this will like save them it it doesn't right <laughs> but that's a lot of the times why people yes, are polite yes. like in these kinds of situations because they think 
okay, I'll just do what they say and it'll be over soon. And like, you know, hopefully they just like take the money or do whatever and get out of here and like, I'll be alive. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's so scary. It's, his, his face is a face that you will. Oh remember. God. It's smiley and gross. For sure. And he's laughing. He's like giggling. Oh, the giggling. And he's trying to terrible. contain himself. Yeah. Cause he's so excited. Cause he knows what he's about to do. Uh, it's so creepy. Scary. Scary. Okay. Yep. I know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> scary kids scaring kids. He essentially uses their pol- uses their politeness against them. And then, you know, Francisca goes on to do the same later on. She does. Oh, my God. It's like it's almost like she inherits these weird tra- traits from the serial killer. So there's like this weird, obviously, family trauma going on. But then this like inherited fa- like a, a concept of maybe like found family, which is very strange to say. But she found him as a friend. And I don't know if she like somehow internalized some of the things he, he did and said and like kind of took those on as her own traits as well. Um, but yeah, she really does. Maybe she goes after women because they're just nicer to her naturally, which makes them easier targets for her. We don't know if she's ever done this before. She knew where to go for the gay bar. Maybe she's done it before. Hard to say, but it is interesting to think about. You know, like she definitely uses the politeness of women against them in the same way that the man used it against uh, her and against her mother. Kind of, She has prayer in that politeness of being like, oh, they'll let me in their car. They'll do this for me and then I'll steal their baby and I'll t- tear them into pieces. Exactly. Wow. Dax, would you recommend this? Um, yes, I would. But yes, I would recommend this movie I really would. Again, it's it's fucked up, but it isn't as gory as you think it is. But it doesn't necessarily make it any less palatable if there's not as much gore. But it's definitely something. So, everyone, this has been Watch Once Never Again. Next week is the beginning of Pride Month. So for the month of June, we'll be, we'll be covering films by queer directors or about queer people. Um, so we'll get ready for that. Very excited. We might even have some special guests. We'll see. Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> um, well, thank you everyone for listening to Watch Once Never Again. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Uh, the podcast is at Wona Podcast, W-O-N-A Podcast. And then make sure to follow us. I am at M.B. McAndrews. And I'm at Daxie Bobbin at D-A-X-E-B-A-B-E-N. That's my name. That is your name. Um, make sure to subscribe. Make sure to give us a review. Leave us a rating. Make us the best podcast ever created in the universe. We'll really appreciate it. Yes. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.